Hey, this is Taryn, and thanks for listening to the Creative Kickback Podcast, where we shoot the shit with the creators, organizers, and activists shaping our world. Let's get into this week's show. On today's show, we have Ro Keel, a community organizer with Southerners on New Ground and also the Education Policy Director with Marijuana Justice Virginia. They talk about their work, how they came to it, and who they center in all their organizing efforts. Check it out. Um, so yeah, my name is Rebecca. Some folks call me Ro. My pronouns are they and them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm born and raised in the city of Richmond. Um, and I am an organizer. How did you get into organizing? Well, I actually got into organizing at a gay club. <laughs> Say more. At Godfrey's. Oh, dope. That's what they have, the drag brunch? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sure do. Still do. And so um, I was... Uh, just out dancing with my friend. It was like college hump night. I was 18. College what night? College hump night. It got Lord. It's like when you, you get in free before 10, <laughs> you know, so it was cute. I went up after my uh, lesbian and bisexual women's studies class. Because okay. at the time I was an undergraduate, I was studying gender, sexuality, women's studies and psych and everything. So, and as most 18 year olds, I was just exploring myself and, you know, I was like, let me go to a gay club. I was already out. I already knew I was queer. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm gonna go find my people. And so I was out there with my gay best friend from high school, and he started talking to some cutie, and that cutie happened to be an organizer with Southerners on New Ground, or Song. Dope. And So y'all got roped into... I got roped in, because <laughs> we were dancing and then talking politics, and I was like, oh my God, these things can exist at the same time. And then like <laughs> gave me an invitation to a um, backyard potluck with like some other queer folks of color. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing, too, because um, I hadn't really... I have no new other like queer people of color, but not like as an organization because like, you know, the human rights campaign and what you see in like most of media is like white queer people. Mm-hmm. Well, especially back then, this was like 2010, 11. I think things have definitely <laughs> changed a, yes. a, quite a bit. Yes. But I was really working with some, um, not a lot of melanin okay. representation. And so, um, and so I was like, all right, bet I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go be with some people, and I like strangers, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, and um, I just, I just really liked what I heard, and it was talking about all the different facets of people's identity and all the similar and interconnected systems that were working against you or working with you. Mm-hmm. And so um, at the time, I had been in getting involved in like drug policy reform work through mm-hmm. an organization, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, which was kind of like my first political love was drug policy reform. And so, um, the, you know, I'll be honest, that organization fell short of an analysis of racial justice. Mm. We like talked about it and there was an analysis. It just wasn't as thorough as me, a person of color needed it to be. And the organization was also mostly white. And so, and this is something like the drug policy reform movement is still experiencing um, uh, just mostly white spaces, mostly cisgender, um, heterosexual folks like in the mix. Just being in a space where we were so close to like hitting mm-hmm. the mark on, I think what I personally needed, but then also what is being called for in terms of leadership of the particular political moment mm-hmm. that we found ourselves to be in in like 2010, 11, 12. You know, I was I was really hungry for for an organization 
and I didn't even know it was like an org, but just, you know, I'm someone who really seeks to do something with other people. I'm very extroverted. I'm really social. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but so, so, so I found myself at this backyard potluck. People were talking my language and then I became a member and I've been a member for 10 whole years. Wow. And I now actually today just started in the role of um, statewide organizer for Virginia. And so now I'm balancing that with and going back to like the drug policy reform love. I'm the education policy director of Marijuana Justice Virginia that me and my good comrade, my partner in justice, um, <laughs> Chelsea Higgs Wise started um, along with some other good comrades. And so so I'm I'm right now like I feel like I've come full circle in yeah. a lot of ways. Did um, you ever think that you would be back? Like did 18 year old Rebecca ever think like, you know what, in like nine or 10 years, I'm going to be doing this, but like in a totally different way. No, I didn't really think that. I um, kind of left drug policy reform spaces, especially as, um, I mean, Richmond, let's be real, a big part of Richmond is a college town. Mm-hmm. So as those like young, bright-eyed advocates like left, I stayed and because um, my hometown and a lot of that work kind of fizzled out. You know, it did fizzle out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a really good taste of what advocacy could look like um, on a legislative level, mm-hmm. doing drug policy reform work. And so I wouldn't say that I, I didn't see myself going into advocacy or like um, policy work um, because I was uh, working in juvenile justice for quite some time as a lobbyist, as a policy director, as an organizer. And so I was in it. But and, and of course, juvenile justice, like broaches on drug policy Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't very explicit and so I feel like the past 10 years I've just been like gaining different uh skill sets different bases of knowledge and now it feels like it's coming all together but did I forecast this no not at all Mm. I just go with it just go with it (laughs) I think that's part of my creativity too it's like I'm just really open to experiences and then um, things seem to manifest and I've, I've been meeting the right people and they say organizing is like part science but part art too and so how do you especially in a place like Richmond which can be very like structured and like uh, traditional how did you determine okay I'm young I'm queer I want to be invested in like drug policy and organizing which are like not <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> careers that our parents would be like <laughs> I'm going to live off of you now. You're an organizer. You know what I mean? So I'm curious about how you manage that as a queer, gender, uh, gender, gender non, non-conforming. Gender non-conforming. Or, or non-binary. Non-binary. Okay, I got a little tripped up. Person in this very Southern place. Yeah. I mean, Richmond's the former capital of the Confederacy and like all these things. How I personally was just busted through and managed this <laughs> was I've always been like, I've always been in a position where I've had to like come out. Um, I have albinism. Mm-hmm. And so like I have really, really light skin. People think I'm white. I have blonde hair. I got like bluish eyes. People think I'm Swedish. And really? so, yeah, I've gotten that quite a lot. Even when you speak, are they like, that's like a very Richmond accent from Sweden or <laughs> <laughs> from southern sweden <laughs> um you know it's been interesting in 
people people I don't blame people for subscribing uh, an identity on me from like a quick look see but when I do open my mouth I see that like puzzled look mm-hmm. happen and I just I just roll with it also mm-hmm. I can't see too good because of albinism <laughs> okay. so I don't really Wait, I didn't mean to laugh but no no but this is the thing I laugh at it because it's such an interesting condition because I'm a very highly visible person because mm-hmm. I lack melanin mm-hmm. but the irony is I can't see you seeing me too good mm-hmm. so all those awkward stares a lot of it's lost on me because I can't actually see that well and so I think me busting out and going back to that was I'm I'm a bit shameless uh-huh and I you know I can't say I don't care about people's opinions I actually care deeply about mm. what people think it's just sometimes I can't see the like the <laughs> body language of mm. it and so that's made me really outspoken and like that much bolder I think mm-hmm. and then just around the fact that I know I confuse people with my race with my gender mm-hmm. Um, with my sexuality at times. And so I've just gotten really used to knowing that I'm just going to be different. I'm just going to be um, one to to mess up your conceptions of something and then be the one to like walk you through and explain that. And so I've just been wearing that for a really long time. And so as I com- came into my adulthood, I was just like, this is me. And I'm just going <laughs> to literally do what feels the best for me and what I want to do in this world. Because in late stage capitalism, let's be real. <laughs> if you're not doing what you want to do, then you have fallen into a trap. And yeah. I'm, I'm not judging, but it just is real. We have these very nicely laid out scripts in life. And I really wasn't feeling it. Yeah. And so they don't work for everybody. They, they don't work for a lot of people. They don't work for honest. a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I wonder what like baby Rebecca was like. Were you were you as like outspoken and like, well, I don't care. They're just gonna get this. Um, not actually. Really? I was pretty shy Aww. when I was like I was like a weird mix of shy and precocious. Okay. I would like be real quiet until I said something. Got it. You know, I remember in um 2001 when I was in elementary school. Um, I had I had also a little bit of my background. I changed schools a lot. I've been to over 10 different public schools throughout wow. my time in public schools. Mm-hmm. And so I was like kind of always a new kid and had a hard time making friends. Also albinism. Yeah. I got bullied. Da, da, da. And so I was just pretty quiet. But um, I have a really great mama who exposed me to a lot of things for better or for worse. <laughs> and um so I just knew things about the world. And so when um, in 2001, when uh, September 11th happened, I went to my principal and I was like, we're going to do a fundraiser. We're going to raise money for people's funerals. And this is what we're going to do as a school. <laughs> and like the next day, the principal like sent home letters to everyone saying like a third grader came up with this idea and we're going to do it. And mm. so my mom still actually has that letter like oh. framed in her house. It's really <laughs> sweet. And so I was this really shy kid, but I had like, big ideas about social change and mm-hmm. um and where that like instinct comes from i like i don't really know but it's just it's just in me so and what's it like to be doing like social movement work social change work here in richmond it's fun <laughs> i have fun doing it but it's not easy so with um marijuana justice work um in particular in the south i will say that's a hard thing to do um but in virginia because of the political climate that we have. And and I'm speaking like, yes, we're like a blue-purple state. However, even our Democrats are quite moderate. Mm-hmm. And so pushing like equitable legislation, pushing common sense legislation that's like undoing um, harms of oppressive systems mm-hmm. is like far-fetched. 
for some folks just because they come from such a moderate, conservative, suburban, middle-class, law school-likely background Mm -hmm. that um, any kind of brush up against, any kind of pushing back against the system that they fit so neatly into, usually, if you look at who our lawmakers are, Mm -hmm. still mostly white, mostly men, um, mostly middle class and mostly lawyers. And so um, doing work here is really presents a lot of challenges, not only in like the legislative space in that way, but then I think in the community space as well, Virginia has such a terrible history of racialized oppression. Mm-hmm. And we're also the first, I mean, if we're really going back is 2019 and 1619, we reached our 400 year mark where I really feel like Virginia was the first first place that was scarred by, um, or let me not say the first, but one of the first places that was scarred by colonization. And so it just, the oppression is so deeply rooted. And baked in. And baked in, yeah. And the laws are created that way. And then neighborhoods are shaped by those laws. And then people are in those neighborhoods and, and interacting in these systems. So um, black folks in Virginia, and this is a bit of a generalization, but there's so many black folks here in the state that um, are just getting by to get by Mm -hmm. and not truly thriving and I see that on a daily especially in Richmond and so even waking folks up to their own oppression is um, sometimes very challenging because if you have some semblance of like middle class and you're good and you know, you got you know a job maybe you're in higher education. Yeah, you work at Philip Morris, which has its, we all know Philip Morris is a tobacco company that yeah. has its roots in like Virginia tobacco farming, which who, who were the first farmers for that? Yeah. Indigenous people. But then it Black became folks. this like slave, yeah. um, this part of the transatlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's so many um, ways to get comfortable in the state and still be oppressed. And then we look at over in Virginia Beach, um, where there's this huge military naval scene that a lot of black folks funnel themselves into. And then that's comfortable. That's middle class. It's depending on your rank. You might even excel and, and you know, actually become very comfortable and wealthy. And like, while that's fine and dandy, you're becoming comfortable and wealthy in a, in in capitalism and and also it's the United States military so that's really reeks of imperialism right there so <laughs> you know I'm just saying I feel bad for my fatigue pants thanks thanks Ro <laughs> I have a whole outfit but you know what it's I'm not fun. knocking the outfit I'm just saying we I got, think we gotta name it yeah. and I think that's important too just being able to like name things for um what they are and what they've made themselves to be mm. so like how do people square their resistance to marijuana with the fact that like Altria and Philip Morris are like this is like their jam this is home base yeah for, for this, their operation this so, is home base um, um what's that like you know so the, in Virginia the smoking age was just raised to 21 years old oh wow and it's becoming evident that that was like in preparation for the adult consumption of marijuana. Mm -hmm. And so, and so there's and and Philip Morris or Altria, excuse me, let me use your proper name, your recent name. Yeah. But (laughs) we we know the, the, the Philip Morris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) they have the, the lobbying force. They have the money to have the lobbying force to be very influential in the legislature on the state level and local level. Um, and then also they have the wealth to have all the infrastructure already. It's rumored that uh, their offices in, in Altria's buildings downtown 
um, and throughout the city that just is ready to catch the marijuana industry as the legalization opens up. And part of the work of Marijuana Justice Virginia is to make sure that when legalization hits, mm-hmm. the business side of it is also equitable. So whether that's, um, we, see, we saw in Illinois that um, this year when it became legal, that there was a literal um, piece of equitable legislation written in saying that a certain percentages of marijuana business licenses Mm -hmm. had to go to people of color, black folks, people harmed by the ongoing war on drugs. Mm -hmm. And so what would that look like in Virginia when you have a lobbying force and an industry so huge that they could completely saturate the market overnight Mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that whatever legislation is written has that piece ingrained in it i'm not gonna there's no way to stop altria from making money i'm not even trying to however i am trying to make sure that folks who have been negatively impacted by the ongoing war on drugs are able to benefit from um this market once it does open up and also like thinking about all the tax revenue that we're gonna see there was a number reported that tax revenue for states first year of legalization is 300 million dollars mm. and so what would it look like if that money went into an equity fund for public education for um, road infrastructure for going into neighborhoods that have been divested from since redlining you mm-hmm. know so there's i think it's the marijuana work here is also quite interesting because virginia has such a long-standing and terrible history of like racialized and like Um, class oppression that when marijuana legalization hits there's an opportunity to undo those harms Mm -hmm. um and actually help folks or not i wouldn't say help folks but actually have some some restitution and reparations from the harm that's been caused let's talk about fun stuff i mean that was that was actually really interesting and fun and i learned a lot i'm curious you can't say like how far off we are from legalization what's your what's your best guess can you even guess people have been saying for the last 15 years five more years that's so long i know i don't i don't like (laughs) right i mean it depends i don't know like when it's gonna hit it's like it really depends on who's in office. So mm-hmm. there's definitely an appetite for it um, nationally mm-hmm. and in Virginia. Um, we've actually, this is an interesting fact, marijuana has been medically legal in Virginia since 1979. Really? Yes. Yes. How come nobody knows this? Racialized and class oppression. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because, and because, I, I mean, I feel like also D.C. is legal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really interesting to be there and here. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And so, and but recently we did just get medical in the state in a way that's actually accessible gotcha. to more people. It's still like a, a sliver of medical diagnosis can receive it. And mm-hmm. then there's only five vendors in the whole state that oh, wow. can like actually give people their um, THCA pills or bud or oils or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So you asked me about fun stuff, and then I talk about policy more, and <laughs> that's just the kind of person I am. <laughs> okay, fine. I, was, I mean, uh, what's fun to you? I'm not. You're how old are you, Rebecca? I'm 27. Okay, I'm getting up there. I'm getting up there. Ciao, bye. <laughs> I will say I love to dance. Okay. And I where need, do you dance here? I need people to know that about me more. <laughs> um, so. I have a background in like blues and swing dancing, actually. And really? I was in that scene for a little while. Yeah. With like the big flouncy skirts and the polka oh, dots. Oh, no, 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 the- no, 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 no. That's too wholesome. <laughs> I'm talking about like 
Lackawanna dark, blues. Lackawanna blues <laughs> dancing. So you was like, you was um what did they call it? Dragon? Slow dragon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. shameful. Crotch to crotch. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the devil's music too. <laughs> but recently I've been going to um the lesbian spot, um, Babes. The, babes the, of Carytown. With the dark uh windows? Yes, and okay. the volleyball court in the back. I've never been in there. Darren. So, is are there? Is it like black lesbians? So, is it like you know, mixed? I'm What's just gonna like? be really honest. Babes has um, historically catered to like white lesbians, mm-hmm. and like between Babes, I love you now. Let me back in. But between the security guards and the bartenders, just the general cloud, crowd, they've been like anti-black, or in mm-hmm. the sense of like you can just feel it. Like when black yeah. people are in the room, white people get uncomfortable. Da da da. And also the music has just been very like top forty, like yeah. auto tune, white ladies, like Taylor Swift, you mm-hmm. know, which <laughs> isn't very fun like club music. But um, the past few times I've gone, mm-hmm. they have a new DJ or something, and it's just like hella black queer people in there. Interesting. And and they like um, eased up on the dress code a little bit too. You couldn't wear crop tops and babes. You huh? couldn't wear crop tops at a club, a queer club at that, which just was Yikes. just kind of strange. Um, Where else do queer folks in Richmond like kick it or? Godfrey's barcode. And I mean, Richmond is, I'll say, when anyone asks like what's fun to do in Richmond, um, house house parties, house shows. Where? That's always where it's You at. said house shows? House shows, yeah. Who so, who plays house shows? Oh, okay. So this is actually where I feel like the queer people of color are hanging. Okay. Is like the house show scene because it's someone's house. You can, you can be yourself truly mm-hmm. and not have to worry about, um, not have to worry about first and foremost like judgments around people who are just different than you um but then also um no place is 100 percent safe from the police but you're in you're in house venue you know like mm-hmm. it's it's way more chill and so uh and police still do sit outside of godfrey's and patrol around babes and everything like oh, wow. that so so yeah yeah and it's just good to have a space that's really catered to folks and also mm-hmm. just really comfortable for mm-hmm. the guests that are there. So I found myself at um, house shows when I'm just really trying to kick back or, you know, twerk like I want to. But I can do that <laughs> at Babes now. <laughs> do people know how to twerk there? I'm pausing because, like, yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> it de- it depends on the night. Oh, it does. It okay. does. So sometimes you'll see people. Sometimes it's like just a good old little two step and like a little you know shimmy. I don't know. That sounds like church. <laughs> sometimes it feels like that at the gay clubs. <laughs> so I know. What I know. else? Give me some more tea. What else you've been up to, Taryn? I. I'm not the best person to ask this question to really because I spend so much time um, doing organizational work. But this is the thing. It's not that I'm just like some busybody always sending emails in meetings. (laughs) I mean, don't look at me like that. Um, <laughs> some folks might think this about me, uh, <laughs> and this is why I need folks to know I'm a dancer. Okay, but um, crotch I to have, crotch, yeah, crotch to crotch. <laughs> but it, it's really and truly like um, my calling and my purpose, and I get so much energy from doing what I feel what I feel fulfilled by, mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it by myself. I'm doing it with other people, and everything to me worth doing is like to do it in community with folks. So. Um, 
one of the uh, mottos or quotes from song is um, being willing to be transformed in the service of the work. Mm. And so I'm really big on like self-actualization and like, you know, being able to change and transform and grow as a person. And mm-hmm. so I really do do that through like justice work. And that is really stressful and hard. And then we go out and dance afterwards and like sweat out all that. And so it's just kind of this cycle of like, I'm with my people, I'm building with my people. Mm-hmm. We're trying to make some change. We stressed out and tired and frustrated and aggravated. <laughs> so we go dance it out or go drink it out or consume other things it out and <laughs> um and then we just get back to it and so um and that's really really meaningful for me so um, y'all will catch me at the club y'all will but you'll also catch me at these meetings so come on <laughs> with out. your notepad with my notepad <laughs> i'm a great note taker can you believe that in november it will have been 10 two years since we met yeah oh my goodness december 2017 in new orleans wow yeah so I met T here at a advanced campaign management school. School, I remember. <laughs> yeah. So you looking at me like I'm nerdy, but how did we meet? <laughs> well, I was working. I was on my job. That was actually my first event for work where I was like the foundations person and wow. bringing the sponsors in. So the sponsor, wait, y'all have sponsors at DAC too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I just coordinate that, but now I get to do it from home. Oh, chill, chill, yeah. chill, chill. Yeah. Shout, shout out to Repower real quick, because I know it's I know it's different working for an org, right? But yeah. actually being a recipient of the goodness of that org, I have learned a lot and grown a lot mm-hmm. through that organization. I just got Aww. back from data and analytics camp Aww. that was very queer, very black, very POC centered, mm-hmm. um, and it just really helped me. Yeah, like just see that there are people who we share certain identities um, that are doing like super heady, nerdy, number crunching, like data work. And we mm-hmm. don't see that or yeah. like know that as a, as a truth or a narrative out there. Mm-hmm. And so just even being in that room was really transformative. And now I know how to make maps. Girl, <laughs> I'm sorry. Child, make me a map. Because I literally, I would love to sit in a DAC, but like... Yeah. You should go sometime. <laughs> All right. We have a minute and a half left. A minute and 15 seconds. Can I do some shout outs? Please, by all means. I want to shout my mom. I oh. love you. <laughs> Who else? That's it? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, so, Marijuana Justice Virginia. Okay. Y'all check us out at marijuanajusticevirginia.org. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all also, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, all of that stuff. But then I want um, my Southern queer folks who are like looking for their people, or if you're new, if you're not even of the two S LGBTQIA plus community, two spirit. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's indigenous, so first people's nations, and it goes first. You see that? You uh, see, I like it. Yeah. Look, I'm. They come out with a new yes, a new thing every yes, but it's good. I mean, we're I'm, extra. Yeah, but and I'm just gonna not try to deny that exactly. Like, <laughs> let everybody come on. Yeah, come on. yeah, everybody come on. <laughs> but so even if you if you got some um, queer family members mm-hmm. or um, kinship networks, just whoever your people are, like, and you trying to like rock out and do some organizational goodness and just be in community with folks, also trying to do that. Um, come on, look up Southerners on New Ground. They did the. 
bailing folks, bailing mamas out for we Mother's did. Day. We yeah. did. Yeah. I remember donating. I donated because, well, I have a few friends who are a part of song or folks that I know that are a part of it. But I just love the idea of like helping people understand that like cash bail is fucked up and it keeps people. It's not even like a useful thing for like. It just keeps people in cages. Yeah. So. It makes me feel good that like moms got to get out for Mother's Day. Yeah, so. and not only got to get out and be with their families for Mother's Day, there was a whole fellowship program attached to that. Oh wow! And ninety days of case management. Okay. And so like it's very very comprehensive. And so like mm-hmm. if y'all are want to rock out with some criminal justice reform work, that's also there in song. We're not just queer people doing things that touch the lgbtq community it's like we know that we're queer we know we've been marginalized and we know that other people's identities are marginalized and Mm -hmm. there are like queer black people doing this work actually a lot of song and songs leadership is um majority people of color and black folks and Mm -hmm. so i want that to be known as you come into like this new queer space that's not the human rights campaign Mm -hmm. and not like these bigger less melanated orgs and so so i'm much i'm a shout out song and that's my political home they really got me started in like the organizing work and then i'm I'm a shout out um, my drug policy reform work too and students for sensible drug policy and so and i'll be going to um the international drug policy reform conference Mm -hmm. this november representing marijuana justice on a panel that talks about um lgbtqia folks to us lgbtqia folks Mm -hmm. um and centering them in the drug policy reform movement. So that also is like a really big full circle of like uh, drug policy, queer organizing, culminating together. So dope. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Ro. Thanks for having me. T. <laughs> Bye. And that concludes our show. Make sure you follow The Creative Kickback on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And sign up for our newsletter at thecreativekickback.com for updates, essays, and more. Peace.